Well, once again, good morning to each one of you. I want to tell you about Davis. Well, Davis was a man who decided that he was going to be baptized. And on the day of his baptism, he came up and the pastor dipped his head into water three times. His pastor dipped his head under water three times and said, you are now baptized. Your sins are forgiven. You are a new creation in Christ. Your name is now Jacob. No more drinking of alcohol for you. Well, Jacob now went home. He went to the refrigerator and the cupboards. He took out all the bottles of alcohol that he could find. He took them outside and dipped them in water three times. He said, you are now baptized. Your sins are now forgiven. You are a new creation in Christ. Your name is now Juice. <laughs> well, as I said, I hope that you've had a wonderful week. This morning, I want to tell you about a group of people called the Israelites. And before we get in there, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time that we can come into your house to worship you and to hear from you. And indeed, Lord, we pray that you would quiet our hearts, that you would turn our minds once again to you and to what you have to say to us. And Lord, help us to be obedient, to hear your word, and to respond accordingly. And so, Lord, may you speak and may you move and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be familiar with a group of people called the Israelites. And the Israelites were a specific group of people that God chose. God specifically chose these people to carry on his name, to tell of his wonderful acts and his teachings, and to pass down his name and, and those stories from generation to generation so that they would continue to be told and that people would continue to know of the one true living God. You see, from the very beginning, God had his hand upon these people. He did so much for them, and they witnessed firsthand his miraculous works and the different things that he was able to bring them through and to help them with. And time and time again, he continued to help them in ways that they could not explain and things help them through things that they wouldn't be able to get out of themselves. And you see, the Israelites, like normal people, oftentimes forgot about God's faithfulness. They oftentimes forgot about his miracles and the ways that he helped them so much. And they would run back to their old ways of life, their old practices, their old pagan worship, all of those things, and turn away from God. But God was so faithful and so gracious that he was patient with them when they came back and then when they would turn away again. And we see the God that we serve who is patient, who is loving, who is kind, and gentle. 
in Joshua chapter 24, we see Joshua, the Israelites' new leader, comes and he's the new leader after Moses died, and he brings all the Israelites together. He rallies them all together, and he gives them a message directly from the Lord to remind them of what God had done for them. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Joshua chapter 24? Joshua chapter 24. And if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Joshua 24, and to begin with, I will read the first 13 verses. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Sesham. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron and afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. Verse 8. I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand." Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Feel free to be seated. The Israelites needed to be reminded of God's blessing and his faithfulness over them for years. God's blessing and God's faithfulness had been upon them. And so often they forgot about those things. They forgot about what God had done for them and they turned away 
from him. And in this passage of scripture, Joshua is reminding them of what God had done, the ways that he brought them out of Egypt, the things that he took them through, how he gave them victory over these groups of people who had come against them. And they needed to be reminded of that. And in the same way, we need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to us and our family. You need to remind yourself of God's faithfulness to you and to your family. Remind yourself of the things that God has done. Remind yourself of where God has brought you from to where you are now and know that he's not finished with you, but that he will still continue to take you somewhere great. Have you ever gone out of your way for someone only to feel like they didn't appreciate it? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever done something for someone or a group of people and it put you out? It inconvenienced you. You had to sacrifice and miss out because you wanted to help them. But at the end of the day, they just didn't seem to really appreciate it. Or in the moment they appreciated, but maybe years later, when you yourself were now the one in need, they were nowhere to be found. They weren't around, they weren't there to help you in your time of need. And that is one of the, the worst feelings, to feel unappreciated, or to go out of your way to do something for someone or some people, and for them not to care enough to help when you are in need, or to turn your back, or to turn their back on you. You see, I wonder if God ever feels that way with us. I wonder if God ever thinks to himself, I've just done so much for them. I have just blessed them. I have been so patient with them. But time and time again, they turn away from me. Time and time again, they run back to their old way of life. Time and time again, they forget about me and they forget to worship me. They forget to thank me. They only come to me when they need something. I wonder if God ever feels like that. You know, as I was reading this passage of scripture, and it's a great summary of the things that God had done up to this point for the Israelites. And as I was reading it, I thought to myself, how quickly we can forget. How quickly we can forget the blessings from God, but also the kindness of other people. How quickly we can forget the things that God has done for us and the kindness that other people have shown us. And that's why it's important to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. Remind yourself that God is faithful. Remind yourself what he has done. You see, in the moment, sometimes we can be ungrateful and think, well, because he's not doing exactly what I need him to do in this moment, God has abandoned me. No, remind yourself what God has done. Remind yourself that he is still with you. Remind yourself that he will still carry you through and do for you what you need and take care of you. May we never forget God's goodness and his blessing. May you never forget in your own life how God has provided for you and your family when you were out of work. May you never forget 
his provisions upon you and your life. May you never forget how God has brought healing to your body through that sickness or through that surgery. May you never forget the healing that God has helped you with. May you never forget how God answered your prayer at the prayer that you were praying for years and years and years. May you never forget God's faithfulness. May you never forget that unexpected gift that came at just the right time you needed it most. May we never forget God's faithfulness. Remind yourself of his faithfulness and continue to look to him. May you remind yourself how God protected you from that accident and spared your life. May you remind yourself of all of the things that he has done. The songwriter says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. May you never forget the Lord's blessings. Psalm 77 verse 1 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. May we continue to look to God and to know that he is faithful. He has done so many things that we read about in the Bible and he is still faithful today. As we read his word, know that he is faithful. He is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his people, and we can depend on him. Amen? Amen. 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 Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 23, says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We often forget especially when in the moment nothing seems to be happening. But may we never forget and remind ourselves that God is faithful and he will do it again. He will do it again. The song says that we may not know how, that we may not know when, but he'll do it again. He is faithful. He is faithful. And also on that point, May we also not forget the kindness and the mercies that other people have shown us. Sometimes we can forget those things and we can carry on with our own life and forget to look back and say thank you or forget to lend a helping hand when others are in need. But continue to remind yourself of not only the faithfulness of God, but how other people have helped you along your journey, along your way, have supported you in prayer, financially, in different ways, have helped you. God was faithful to the Israelites, even when they didn't deserve it. Verse 13 shows that he gave them things that they didn't work for. It tells us that he gave them things they didn't work for or build, yet they were reaping the benefits of it. They were enjoying food that they didn't plant. They were living in cities that they didn't build. They didn't work for those things, yet they were enjoying the benefits of it. And yet they were still being ungrateful. And we need to be people who are grateful. 
people who are thankful for the things that other people have given us, the things that other people have provided for us. And this morning, I especially want to make mention of this, especially to our young people. Right now, I love our teens, and I'm currently overseeing our youth program at the moment in the absence of a youth pastor, and I love our teens. But this is a time for us to wake up, young people, and understand that your parents have worked hard, that your parents have done so much, and we need to be grateful for those things. We need to show appreciation, and in doing so, there are times where we need to do our part and not run our phone bill up to hundreds of dollars with overage charges that they have to pay, right? Not go out of our way to goof off and fail our college or university courses that we have to repeat, and they have to pay for those things. Not sleep in to noon every Saturday while they wake up early to cook and clean and do our laundry. We need to wake up and do our part and be grateful. We need to do our part to contribute, each and every one of us. And it's important, not just for young people, but there's a lot of older people here as well who need to be grateful, who need to be grateful for your parents and the things that they have done for you and how hard they have worked. You see, a lot of you have come from other countries to give your children, to give your grandchildren a better life, and that's wonderful for the things that they didn't have. But sometimes you do a disservice by bending over backwards and working to the bone and not instilling those things in them as well. You see, I saw something that I'll never forget, and it shows, you know, children are like born with this ability to use a phone, right? They, they know how to use phones and tablets. If you have a problem, give your phone or tablet probably to your four-year-old, and they'll fix it for you, right? And we older people, and I'm in that group now, right? We older people have a problem learning how to use this and use that and use that, but they seem to get it just like that. And so in the same way they learn how to use those things, they will be able to figure out how to use a mop and a broom and a dustpan and take out the garbage. They will be able to do those things. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Come on now and a snow shovel, whatever you want to give them, they'll figure out how to use it. It's time that we wake up and remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to us, what he has done in our lives and the faithfulness and the things that other people have done as well. So Joshua addresses the people and reminds them of what the Lord has done for them and for their families. Verse 14 goes on to say, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, 
we will serve the Lord. Joshua points out to them that this is the time to make a decision, that you need to make a decision, that there is no more sitting on the fence, that there's no longer playing both sides, that there's no longer worshiping this God when you feel like it and then going back to this God when you feel like it, but it's time to choose and make a decision. And in the same way, God tells us that we need to make a decision. Decide who you will serve. Decide who you will serve. It's time to make a decision. You see, we cannot just run to Christianity when something is wrong. We cannot just run to God when we need something from him. But it's time for us to choose. The worst thing that we can be is lukewarm. He wants us to either be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. We cannot sit on the fence, but it's time to choose and to make a decision. God has given each one of us the ability to choose. From the very beginning, he gives us free will and says, you choose, especially when it comes to him and worshiping him. He doesn't force any of us, but he gives us that option to choose. And today is your time. Decide who you will choose. Well, maybe you say to yourself, well, of course, I, I choose God. I, I'm worshiping God, and, and that's why I'm here today. But let me tell you that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christian who don't know the first thing about what being a Christian really is. There is a lot of people who come to church, but they're not saved. And the Bible tells us that you cannot serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. So the decision is yours. Who will you choose? 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 says, Obey the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Remember the great things he has done for you. Not everyone who calls themselves a Christian knows what it truly means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means to be one who is set apart, one who chooses to follow Christ no matter what the cost is, one who emulates and imitates what it is like to be Christ-like, one who chooses to put the needs of God and others first. To be a Christian is a big sacrifice. To be a Christian is not always convenient. And what it means to be a Christian, we need to understand and we need to be willing. If we're not willing to, then we need to stop calling ourselves a Christian. But we need to stand up and to say, I am choosing this. I choose to be devoted to God. I choose to put aside the other things. I choose to go from the left to the right and sway back and forth. But I choose to make a decision to serve God. Amen. But I need you to know that being a Christian is not convenient. Being a Christian is a lot of things, but convenience is not one of them. 
And you've heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again, that being a Christian is not convenient. You see, it is not convenient for me to have to wake up early on Sunday mornings to come to Sunday school and church and then come again in the evening time in a time of worship. You see, it's not easy for me to have to come throughout the week, and it's not convenient for me to come throughout the week to attend prayer times and Bible studies and small groups and this and this function and that function, it's definitely not convenient for me to have to give 10% or more of my income to the work of the Lord and to the work of the church to carry on ministry. You see, it's not convenient for me to have to pick up and drop off people to and from church. It's not convenient for me to have to say to my friends and my family, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not able to go to that bar or that casino or to this place or that place because I know it's not right. Christianity is not convenient, but yet we do it because we are called to live at a different standard. We do it because this is living in obedience to what God has called us to. Christianity is not about convenience, but it's about worshiping the one true living God who has called us out and said, I've created you. Yes, to enjoy this life and to enjoy this world, but to serve me and to worship me. That's why we're here. That is why God created us, to enjoy us and to have a relationship with us and for us to worship him, to come into relationship with him. Christianity is a lot of things, but it's not convenient. And it's it's time that we stop looking for it when it is convenient for us, when it suits our schedule, when we can make time for it, and we start putting God first and serving him faithfully. He talks about in this passage, Joshua says, he says, you can choose to serve the one true living God, or you can choose the gods of this Land. Now, you may say to yourself, well, of course, I'm, I'm not going to go pray to this or that or that. But you see, in this land that we're living in, there are a lot of different gods, right? There are a lot of different gods, some that are obvious and some that are not. But unfortunately, we live in a time where whatever I feel like is right. Whatever I want to believe I can believe. Whatever I want to do, I can do. Whatever I want to pray to, I can pray to. And sometimes that even means if I say that I'm a God, guess what? I'm a God. The things of this world have become so corrupt. The devil has come and has corrupted, has brought confusion, has blinded the people of this age. And it's time that we understand that we need to get rid of the gods of this land, that we need to make a decision to stop turning to the left or to the right, that our worship and our focus should be given to God and God alone. And we need to put him first, throw away the gods of this land, these idols that we put before God and decide who you will serve. So Joshua goes on and says this to the people. Verse 16 goes on where they answer and tell him this. They say, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. 
It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. You see, after Joshua calls them out and addresses the crowd and reminds them of God's faithfulness and basically tells them, you need to make a decision. The people wake up and they realize, you know what, Joshua, you're right. God has been so faithful to us. What are we doing? God has seen us through this time. God has helped us. God has had his hand upon us, his protection upon us. What are we doing? We are going to serve the Lord. We are going to turn back to him. We are going to worship him because he is God. The people realized that and they decided to serve the Lord. In your Bibles, you may have a subheading over that passage of Joshua 24, but my subheading says, the covenant renewed at Seshem. And in order for a covenant to be renewed, it means that there was one made in the first place. And so in this passage, the people are not making a covenant with God. In fact, they're renewing an already present covenant that they had with him many years ago. And in the same way, it's time for us to renew our vows. It's time for us to renew our vows. Why do couples renew their vows? Why do couples renew their marriage vows to each other? Well, It's renewing their vows to say to that person that even after all of these years of marriage, even after all the years that we've been together, all of the things that we have been through, all of the ups and the downs, all of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and as married couples, you see that ugly part sometimes, right? All through all of those things, we are promising each other and renewing those vows and saying even after all of that, I still love you, and I still choose you, and I still want to spend my life with you. That is what renewing of vows really is. It's to reaffirm the promise that you made to each other long ago. And in the same way, I believe that this morning, many of us need to renew our vows to the Lord. That we need to say, God, there's been a lot of ups and downs. I have turned away to the left and to the right, but it's time that I renew my vows. Or maybe some of you this morning need to say, I want to make that promise with you. I want to start a relationship with you, God, because I understand that you are faithful, that you are good all the time, that you are worthy to be praised, that you are the one who should receive all honor and all glory. And so this morning, I challenge you, maybe it's time that you renew your vows to the Lord, or maybe it's time that you start a relationship, a covenant with him, and that you come back to him, whatever that may be. Say, Lord, forgive me. I choose you. And the beautiful thing is 
that we can start a relationship with God no matter who we are, no matter how old we are, no matter what we've been through. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. If we come before him and acknowledge that he is God, if we confess our sins, he is quick to forgive us and we can thank him for that. We need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to us and to our families. We need to decide who we will serve, and we need to renew our vows. You see, in this message this morning that I wanted to bring to you, as much as I wanted to challenge you, it's also a call to come back to holiness. It's also a call for us as Christians to stand together. You see, in this society, in this world, in this country, in this time, there are so many things that are not right, and there are so many things that we need to say to ourselves of, we are together as Christians going to stand up, going to stand firm, and going to say, Lord, take back your people, take back your city, take back your country, take back the things that are not pleasing to you and make them new. Do you remember that there are a lot of things that maybe as young people you had or styles that you had? And I'm sure that now you're starting to see them come back in style, right? Right? You're starting to see that maybe certain styles of pants or shirts or hairstyles or whatever. They're coming back in style, right? Are you still with me? Okay, okay, I'm almost done, so stick with me. They're coming back in style. It's because they come back in style because someone or a group of people decide, we're going to bring this back, right? And if you see a celebrity wearing something, it catches on, right? Someone of influence, someone of power, and other people see and they say, I'm going to wear that too. And that's how a style, that's how a trend comes back in style or starts. In the same way as Christians, we need to say we're going to stand together to bring holiness back. Do you remember a time in your life or in this world where you prayed the Lord's Prayer in school? It's time that we bring that back. Do you remember a time where people gave reverence to holy days like Christmas and Easter where malls and stores weren't open? It's time that we bring that back. Do you remember a time where on Sundays, no matter who you were, you attended Sunday school and church, and that's what you did. There was no alternative. You went to church. It's time that we bring that back. Do you remember a time where people came and filled the church not to be entertained, but to hear God's word and to encounter him? It's time that we bring that back. You see, as Christians, we may feel we can't do very much, but we can. Because when we stand together and we say, we're bringing that back, we start that revival. We start that trend. Would you stand with me? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and for the challenges that you have put for forth. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to no longer be complacent or no longer be comfortable where we are, but that, Lord, you would 
place a fire and a burning desire within us to make a change. That, Lord, we would not longer look for what's convenient and what's comfortable, but, God, what you have called us to, that you would help us as Christians to stand firm together and to come and bring holiness back, bring it back to what you desire it to be, bring us back to a place that you desire us to be at. And we pray that, Father, we would put you first, that the things of this world would not fill our eyes or fill our hearts, but that, God, you would be our first love and our deepest desire, that you would be our first thought in the morning when we wake up and the last thought before we close our eyes, that you would renew that love that we once had and that you would help us to take our relationship with you so serious that we don't allow anything to come in the way. And so, Father, this morning, I pray for your people that as they stand here, that they wouldn't be concerned with the time or how hungry they are or what's happening next, but be concerned with their relationship and where they stand with you. And so, Father, may you place a deep desire in each one to love you faithfully, to serve you, and to, Lord, bring holiness back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.